Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Coming up on today's Around the House, Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. This is part two of my favorite segments of 2022. We've got some great experts in the house. Shannon, that tile chick talking tile. Swimming pool Steve talking about hot tubs and swimming pools. Barbecue expert Jeff Tracy and Leanne Whippen. You probably saw her win Master Q on Food Network. And then we round this hour up with Emmy Award winning Katie Linendahl. And we'll talk home tech for your family. All this and more coming up on this first hour of Around the House. And don't worry, hour number two won't leave you disappointed either. Now let's do this. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you coming. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G. and Caroline B. Where we talk home improvement, healthy homes, construction design every single week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline. Hey, Eric. We have a fun guest in the studio today. You might have seen her all over social media as that tile chick. Shannon, welcome to Around the House. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. You are just crushing the trades out there. And Caroline and I are both supporters of it. And I love to see what you're doing out there because... You know, it's funny when I watch videos and then I watch the comments of the people that have maybe I've been in dial for 33 years and this is how I do it. And I just laugh sometimes because it's like, so you've been doing it wrong for 33 years. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I love disruptors. <laughs> Well, I'm a giant super fan of Shannon because she teaches me that I'm a little afraid of tile, I have to admit. And Eric knows I have like a fear of tiling. I'm not exact when it comes to the artistic part of it, but you make me feel like I can do it. So that's why I got with Eric and I said, we got to have her on. She makes me feel like I can tile. I can do this. Oh, yes. You can most definitely tile. It's it's a little, it can be intimidating. It's a, you know, it's a hard material and like there's special tools and skills you need, but I truly believe anybody can do it as long as you just, you know, learn key steps. Maybe you're not going to be the best at it at first, but it takes yeah. a little time <laughs> there's a learning curve. Mm -hmm. That's a well, shame. one thing that I weren't learned from my buddy, William White, who I've known since we were probably 13 years old. So I've learned from him is prep is like 90% of it, of doing the right stuff before you put the pretty stuff on. That's where yes. the beauty is. That's yes, that's very true, especially when it comes to like a shower, because a shower, when you think about it, has to function. The tile is just like the pretty cover. It's like the makeup when everything that's going on underneath is what really matters. So, yes, the prep is like the most important key. You know, and as somebody that's done showers before, including my own steam shower with with really good pros, 
I learned a lot about it here this last time using some of the new technology. You know, we put a weedy system in and then we did, you know, William came in with all the Ardex stuff and I did slab porcelain on the walls, all that different stuff. But I really learned some of the newer stuff out there because, you know, back in the day, I remember still in the 90s when I first got into interior design, there were plenty of tile setters out there putting green board sheetrock in the in the shower and laying tile over it and then wondering why it didn't work. Oh, yeah. Um, like, so that's the thing. Like, if oh, green board is, it's water, it's not, it's moisture resistant, not water resistant. So, you, right. so the key word there is moisture. So that means what? Like, probably just like, you know, the, the steam that comes off of your shower, you know, and it's like sitting in the room because you, your <laughs> vent fan is like clogged up with 10 years worth of dust, you know, <laughs> so moisture resistant, not water. It's not even water resistant because you get that thing wet. It's going to soak, right, soak the water right up. Yeah. It's just going to disintegrate. So I don't know. It doesn't even wick water. It's just, it's drywall. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so for amateur people, so Eric's always the person who's got all the experience with building and I'm more on the environmental side, right? So that is a big thing to me with mold because we don't want mold from an environmental standpoint. But for the people who are bare, or bare bones like me, what do you recommend? Like, so where's the first place to start? Is it knowing what your backer board's going to be? Is it knowing, you know, what type of process you're going to engage in first? Like, so just take us through some basic tips. So DIY people like me aren't so scared. Okay. So the first thing you want to do once the shower is demoed and you just basically have a clean slate is you want to think about, um, you just kind of want to think about what I like to do it this way, thinking about what kind of tile I'm going to put in the shower. Like what's the size of the tile? Um, now this might sound super complicated, but it actually makes your life so much easier when if you're going to put a niche or a soapbox in the shower and you're like, okay, well, like I know I have this size tile. You can literally plan out where the niche is going to go in the wall so that you don't have like weird, crazy cuts around the niche. And that takes less time on you while you're installing the tile to plan out full tiles around the niche. And the way that you can do that is just simply by, yes, you're taking measurements of the wall. It's like a naked wall, just studs there, you know? So you just kind of figure out where you're going to put your, your niche box. And then like, I like to just like work from the bottom. So like, just pretend that the, the rest of the wall isn't existing and I'll just like measure from the floor to the bottom of the niche and then like move it as I go up or down, depending on where the tile is going to lay so that I can like have full tiles around the niche and I don't have to make any crazy cuts. So that's what mm. I would do first. Then I would figure out what kind of wallboard I'm going to use. But I, I like foam board, so I am always using foam. Um, I like it because it's light. It's easy to maneuver. You can cut it with a box knife. Like to me... If there's something that's going to make my life easier and it's faster, I'm going to use that. Plus, if you use like um, cement board, now you're creating dust and it's like an extra step. If you're cutting it with like a, a something like a grinder, for example, you're cutting it outside and you're making dust and I have to wear a mask and it's heavy. Like it's just I like foam. I'll, I'll spend a little bit more money on it. So like just cut it right in the bathroom, pull my measurement, cut it and put it up on the wall. Um 
So figuring out your layout before the walls go up is key. Then what you want to do is use foam, (laughs) especially if you are not like if for DIY, especially foam is you're going to pay significantly more 100%, but it is a much easier, much more forgiving material to use. And it's almost like foolproof, if you will, like it's very hard to mess it up. If you're using like a system like Laticrete, which is what I use, they are the foam and they use a sealant system. So basically you put up the foam and what you're putting over your washers and your screws and your seams is you're using a urethane sealant. So, and the urethane sealant is water curable. So like you could essentially tile immediately. Whereas nice. like some other systems like the Schluter, you'd use the banding and stuff and mm-hmm. that... Um, I, I'm pretty sure I don't, don't quote me. I'm not yeah. sure, but I think that they say you can tile right away, but I don't know. But the banding for me, I could never tile on the same day that I prep for Schluter because it's takes longer. It's just a more intensive process, you know? So that's not a thing. Foam board, urethane sealant. If you can get that system, amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of any like super key point. But uh, Eric, is that the Ardex? Is that what he was talking about? Remember, we were talking about when you have these weird Ardex shaped has bathrooms. One. Yeah, there's. Yeah. The good news is right now there's probably a, you know, a half dozen name brand systems and another dozen off brand systems out yeah. there. And I see the good thing is is right now because trying to come up with materials for a job sometimes where you're like, hey, they got all the sealant but they don't have any board, or they have tape but they don't have any sealant, and there's still been some serious supply chain issues out there. Next up, we've got Swimming Pool Steve. So much more coming up in our favorite episodes of 2022 on this New Year's Eve. Around the house, I'll be right back. the around the house show happy new year's eve everybody we're in the middle of our top segments here of 2022 and now we've got next we've got swimming pool steve now let's get back to the program welcome to around the house with eric g and caroline b your home improvement source every single week thanks for joining us caroline we have a excellent guest in the studio today that i'm so excited for Hi, everybody. I am thrilled for our guest. You know, I love a pool and I, you know, I love swimming and I know I want a pool. So he's the, he's the golden child in my eyes. There we go. We got swimming pool Steve coming on a second generation pool and spa builder with over 50,000 hours of on-site experience. Welcome to Around the House, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for coming on, man. You have been owning YouTube with your pool advice out there. And uh, it's that time of year, man. Things are warming up. People are thinking about hitting that pool or 
or even uh, getting that hot tub up and it's true. Yeah. Getting the pool for sure. I'm up in Ontario, Canada. So right now, everybody is opening their swimming pool. It's hot and everyone is going to want to be swimming very shortly. Uh, hot tubs, kind of the same thing. But interesting to mention, I've always wondered why close a hot tub like for me using the hot tub mm. year round. Like, why not use it in the winter? It's the best time to use it. There is nothing like sitting out in a hot tub with snow in your hair, little icicle in the beard and sitting out there with a with a beverage and enjoying the cold. The only bad part is, is that walk to the house, because <laughs> if it's icy, that can be its own little dangerous experience. That is absolutely true. That's actually the first thing that uh, that you preach about hot tubs is, well, where should I put this thing? Trust me, put it close to the door. <laughs> That walk of shame when it's when it's icy out there and the chance of you eating it on a on a cold, icy deck in the wintertime, it's not Absolutely. comfortable. But at the same time, if you're not jumping into a snowbank and then back into a hot tub, you're just not living. Yes. There you go. Caroline, see, that's what you got to be doing in the wintertime. Mm. Well, I'm, a, I'm the, an environmental consultant by trade. And so my gripe with hot tubs is that they always get moldy no matter what you do. So do you have a way to prevent that from happening because a lot of the, the hot tubs here at least in the northeast seem to if you keep them closed up for a while and then you reopen them they get this kind of musty smell oh definitely and uh, you know just in general like I've, I've got a fair bit of experience with hot tubs uh, up to and including you know managing a pretty busy hot tub store uh, for a period of time at a water lab and what i discovered is that the vast majority of people and i'm talking like 95 percent of hot tub owners are not taking care of their hot tubs properly and they're missing some really fundamental stuff that is going to result in things like you're describing here where you get like these musty smells or other problems and they're not supposed to be like that like hot tubs aren't supposed to smell bad that's one of the most common complaints like oh hot tubs I, you know how do i make my water smell better it's like if it smells bad it's probably not balanced to begin with and uh just to, to put a pen in this the most important thing if you have a hot tub and you're hearing this and you're like well i wonder if i'm one of these people we probably are if you're not pipe flushing every time you drain your hot tub before you drain the old water away you need to clean out all of the junk that builds up inside the plumbing lines because that's where all the bacteria is and when you just drain and refill or even if you drain and like scrub with some vinegar you're missing all of that junk that's inside the plumbing line so that pipe flush procedure is a critical element that hot tub owners should be doing every time they drain their hot tub which also they should probably be doing more than they're doing so how often should you do that and then how do you drain it knowing people okay, are doing so it right. you should drain once every once every four months is kind of the the conventional logic the problem that i have with this is everyone hears that and they're like okay perfect once every four months i'm gonna drain this or maybe once every three months even but the problem is is that that is that's assuming that you've maintained it properly the entire time so and true most people aren't most people aren't even close to maintaining it properly the whole time like if it ever turned green at all even for a day like that's a disaster you would like some people would just drain rate based upon that alone um and all of the stuff that you're adding to try to compensate for the lack of chemical management that you're doing again is contributing to just higher levels of total dissolved solids within the water and making the water just less manageable in general so it's kind of like this cycle that you end up in where you're fighting the water as opposed to you know enjoying it so you you should clean your water more often okay. don't try to like go six months or a year like so many hot tub owners do there's so little advantage in you doing so and the amount of work it takes to just own a submersible pump and drop it into your hot tub shotgun a beer while you're watching it drain like it's super easy it's not, it's not hard to do I actually have a joke on, on YouTube that was one of the first things I ever posted like eight years ago. 
And somebody was saying about this exact procedure, like, well, what, what's this pipe flush? I've never heard of it. it. Sounds like a lot of work. And I explained to them, look, grab a can of pipe flush, stab the can with a knife, throw the knife and the can into the hot tub. You're done. Shotgun a beer. Like, it couldn't be easy. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, I've got a question for you because there's all these people out there. They're like, oh, I'm done doing chlorine. I'm going to go saline or salt. What's your opinion on that? Because, okay, you know, there's okay, a stale stop. pitch for every hot tub. Breaks are on. So salt water makes chlorine. chlorine. I know that. making out of that salt. <laughs> so these things are exactly the same. So you, you describe two things which are the same. And uh, some people know that, and but a lot of people don't still. Yep. There's a lot of misinformation out there about salt water. It's not an alternative in any way. The only thing you changed is where you get your chlorine from. <laughs> Somebody else used to make it for you and then give you a jug of chlorine now what you do is you just buy the same base ingredients they were using and you make your own chlorine right in the swimming pool. So those two things are the same. But you almost said, what's an alternative to chlorine? And that is such a hot button issue for me. Like if you want to if you want to see me uh, bent out of shape, start talking to me about, you know, you're looking for an alternative to chlorine because you want to be healthier. And it's like, man, you couldn't be further from the truth with that. Like, chlorine is what differentiates safe water from unsafe water and unsafe water is one of the most dangerous things on the planet. I think the statistic is one in every four hospital beds on the planet has someone in it who's sick from a waterborne illness. And people say like, oh yeah, well that's, you know, in Africa or some other place that's undeveloped. And I say, do you know what the main difference between us and them is? It's that we use chlorine in our water to keep it safe. So I'm talking everything from the food that, or the water that you cook with, the water you wash your kids with, it all has chlorine in it. So when you come to me and say, you know, that stuff's dangerous, I want to use something else. I think to myself, this is crazy. You're ignoring what is the obvious answer here, which is learning how to work with chlorine so that you can manage safe water without having to use a whole bunch of extra because you didn't really know what you were doing, which is kind of what most people end up doing. And in a worst case scenario, you can get some bad advice, which is really easy to come by these days. And you can choose an alternative completely, you know, something that maybe works a little bit. Or maybe you choose something that doesn't work at all because there's not really any way to stop you from buying that or to stop somebody from claiming that something works really well. And people get sick and die. And that's the reality. And, you know, as a professional in the industry, I have to see that more than I definitely wish <laughs> wish that I did. Okay. And if people saw it a little more, they would be a little more sensitive to it. You know, chlorine is there to keep you safe in swimming water and any attempt to find an alternative to it. I mean, if you don't if you don't wear a lab coat to work every day, you have no business trying to figure this out on your own. Good point, man. Good point. Because, yeah, it's chlorine in, in pools that I've seen. You know, that's what keeps that water from people getting all those those illnesses in the tub. But at the same point, somebody out there mismanaging it can also make people sick by putting too much or hurt them by putting too much. Sure. I mean, and that's true for anything at all. But uh, when, when managed properly, I mean, you can have your, yourself exposed to pretty low levels of chemical sanitizer like chlorine or bromine. And again, it really comes down to just most of the people not really knowing what they're doing. And then you have to overcompensate by adding a bunch extra. Thanks, Steve. Coming up next, we've got Leanne Whippen and Jeff Tracy from Barbecue Nation. Just as soon as Around the House returns. Let's 
Welcome back to the Around the House Show. Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Now we're going to continue with our best of 2022 episodes. Now we go back to Jeff Tracy and Leanne Whippen for Barbecue Nation. The episode that you've been waiting for. I am so stoked. I have been asking Eric week <laughs> after week, when are our barbecue people coming on? I said, I want to hear all about it. So here they are. Bring it on. So we've got from Barbecue Nation, my good friend, Jeff Tracy. Hello, hello. And of course, his co-host, Leanne Whippin, barbecue extraordinaire. <laughs> Welcome to Around the House. You might have seen Jeff Tracy on the back of milk cartons everywhere. And Leanne Whitten has been <laughs> all over Food Network before. Beating people like Bobby Flay and Master Q. And welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. <laughs> hey, good morning. There you the go. Whatever time there it is, go. I'm not sure. I was up well, we all wanted night, to talk so. barbecuing because there's some people like me that I, I can be standing out in the snow as long as the wind's not blowing and barbecuing. But we are getting into what I call residential barbecue season for me for people that are walking into the home centers and seeing that $199 grill and trying to do something with it that they probably shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th I thought we'd yeah, talk about yeah, that to begin uh, with about there's some great barbecues that are inexpensive, but there's also ones that are kind of throwaway models that might make it through a year and a half of cooking. What are you guys doing out there for barbecues these days? Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I'm a brand ambassador for pit boss grills. So I am a huge fan of the pellet system because for me, um, it's, it's a great design for someone that's cooking in the backyard that doesn't have the time to work on maintaining their fire over live fire, like charcoal. Um, it preheats very easily. You can kind of set it and forget it. So you can come home from work and actually smoke food and you're, it's ready in like 10 minutes to put your food on and it regulates the heat for you. It, it kisses your meat with, you know, just wonderful smoke. And there's a variety of different flavor pellets. Um, actually pit boss has a spring blend that just came out. Um, I was in Walmart yesterday, just perusing the aisles and it's obvious grilling season is on. I mean, it used to be like one tenth of an aisle and now you have, it's, it's like shopping for toys now. I mean, it is like nonstop. I mean, the choices like are the amazing. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a little old fashioned. I use a stick and a blowtorch. <laughs> We're not talking for TV. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have an assortment of grills, as you know yep. there, Eric. Um, but lately I've been using uh, two models uh, from Gorilla Grills out of Michigan. And you, and you buy direct. You won't find those in any stores. Um, they have also a retail store in Dallas, but, um, I've got a pellet griller, pellet grill from them and also a Kamado style. But then I also on the back porch, I have Weber's and, um, green mountains and um, just stuff. You know, there's a lot of it back there and there's a lot in my, in my little shop. So, uh, but I've been using, I guess you could say I'm a brand ambassador for Gorilla Grills. Mm -hmm. And um, although they didn't give me the shirt with the name on it, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm still using their products there. So uh, I agree with Leanne. I mean, we're kind of 
ground central here for pellet grills because mm-hmm. as you know i only live about 12 miles from where traeger was invented and um so that kind of started up here i know they had some um variable similar grills in canada that they came up with which is actually uh from danson's which are the folks that own pitmaster and louisiana grills there but um yeah, I've I've done this. Most all of them work out pretty good, you know, and I like exactly what Leanne said. You know, you can get them ready quickly to cook on. You can um, have a really nice smoky flavor to your food and they're pretty low maintenance. Um, you don't have to worry about regulating the one, the fuel source or the temperature so much on those versus like in charcoal or even gas. So. Um, that's that's what I've been using the last couple of years. So yes, Carolyn, yes, can we call, call on you? me. I'm yes. raising my hand. <laughs> so I am an amateur. I would say amateur grill. I'm used to using a propane tank and a Weber. So I want to step up my game when uh-huh. it comes to barbecue. So what would be the next step for someone like me who loves to barbecue, wants to get a little creative, but isn't at the, obviously the level that you are? So stepping up my game a little bit. Where would you guys recommend I go? I definitely think the pellet grill is an, you know, your answer, not only that, but the price point is there. You aren't spending a lot of money and you're actually, um, you don't have to be an expert. I mean, you can convert your gas grill to a smoker. They have the smoker rings that are available. You can put pellets in them. You can buy smoker boxes and you can add it to your gas grill and turn your gas grill into somewhat of a smoker. But if you want to step it up and get to that next level, I really think pellet grills is the way to go. Um, it's a lot easier than, you know, a charcoal grill for sure. Hmm. Yeah, my lump, my lump charcoal grill, I love cooking on it, but I got to go out there 40 minutes before I want to throw something on it, clean it up every time, go through, get the fire going. And I've got an off-brand Komodo style, and it's it's a messy grill to deal yeah, with. Yeah, and you know what's so interesting now with the fuel prices? A price of an LP tank is over $40. I mean, and, and so when you look at the cost of pellets, you can turn the pellet cooker off and reserve all those pellets. It's just it uses what you use. So it's really more economical than gas these days, <laughs> I feel like it. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, I I agree because um, plus the, excuse me, the price points, there are, I mean, Traeger just came out with a Timberline 5 or Timberline X. I don't know what they prefer to call it, but it's almost 4,000 bucks. But that being said, there's a lot of entry level and one step up pellet grills that you can, that you can get for under oh, you can get them for like 300 or, or less $300 you can get a nice yeah. size pellet cooker there you go there yeah. you go and so that worked really well and a lot of the pellet cookers caroline have um wi-fi on them now you can get notifications on your phone about your temperature or if you need to add pellets on a long cook there's a they got a lot of bells and whistles so and if I was going to say, just like Leanne did, if I was going to say, what's your form of cooking? What's your style? What your grill is going to be 
for the chance of the least mistakes, I would go with a pellet cooker. That's that's me. But um, because gas, you know, you can get a little flare up, you get hot spots and you get hot spots on all grills. But with, uh, you know, gas, if you if you do catch on a grease fire or something, if it hasn't been cleaned properly, uh, you got to deal with the gas and the grease and all this. And very seldom, unless you just never clean your grill, do you get fires in pellet grills? I mean, it does happen. It happens with all grills, but I think they're about that's, the safest. That's taking me myself. to my next question for you guys. How do I clean <laughs> my grill and what's the right way to do it? In my opinion, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Hire somebody. <laughs> Hire somebody. <laughs> right Hire on somebody. it. <laughs> Well, on, on the show, what I've said, if, you, if you've got a pellet grill or if you've got any grill for that matter, I have a shop vac that was my shop vac that I used on cars and stuff. And that got um, moved down a step when I bought a new one. But I get, it, get yourself a 30 or $40 shop vac dedicated to only cleaning your grills. Okay. Around the house, we'll be right back with Emmy Award winning technology expert Katie Linendahl. Don't go anywhere. around the house now let's get back to uh, one of my favorite episodes from this last year this is katie linendahl emmy award winning let's talk some home technology i have to bounce off that for, for a second because i i go to a lot of cyber conferences and i'm constantly just like a sponge taking it all in and amazed by experts like your friend and what they have to share in one common denominator no matter how high tech the conference is that i'm going to is passwords and i'm like I start to kind of do the zone out because I'm like, we all know that passwords. But then I had a friend sitting next to me in one of the recent conferences we were at, very high level, uh, former, uh, I think it was a Department of Defense individual doing a presentation. And he's like, you want to know at the small business level, big business level, home consumer level what the most, the biggest error is. And it's adding a one to a password. And my friend goes, oh, yeah, I do that. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, wait, I do know that you do that because I've asked you to, like, log into your thing before to book your travel. And it's just you keep adding number. And it's like, you know, it's just to be a little smarter on little things like hovering over the email address or thinking more about our passwords. Like, a couple more seconds of our time. I know we're all busy. Just making smarter decisions for cybersecurity and also taking advantage of things like the advanced security that you might already have baked into your gateway. Do it. Do it because that moment comes. It's like the worst thing ever. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think is a big problem. I think that's number two outside of of not having the right password, the biggest mistakes that a homeowner makes is not using the equipment and the security features they already have around their house. Absolutely. And we're starting to see that not only in the last year, that nearly half of uh, consumers actually updated their Wi-Fi, but also around 30% took advantage of updating their hardware. And it's like we were talking about TVs. It's like, you know, you can have 4k content but do you have a 4k capable tv it's not gonna work you know it's having the best hardware 
at your fingertips and utilizing it. And if you don't know what that is, like we can be sitting here and talking very techie lingo, ask your, ask them, just ask like, Hey, am I up to date? Because typically that you get up to date that they'll, they'll handle that for you every couple of years. So it's, if you're confused or it's too high tech, just ask the questions. People are happy to help. And when your app that you're using comes on and says, do you want to enable two, two factor authentication? Yes. Don't hit remind me later. <laughs> a hundred <laughs> times. It. You're like, I'll do it later. Yeah. I'll do it later. Yeah. Two factor is one of the biggest uh, preventatives in terms of cyber. Take advantage of it, especially right now. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, with Caroline here too is America's healthy home expert. The the space out there that we're seeing now as far as creating healthy homes is really cool too. And and uh, I tell you what, I've been putting some stuff in my house as well with, with uh, you know, trying to create a healthier environment. And uh, that's another thing that's been really exciting with the new stuff that's coming out here in the future. There's so much cool stuff coming out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to see where, where we're going with technology here over the next couple of years. I always say people are like, when are we getting to the Jetsons era? I'm like, we're here where it's like an influx right now. And just to see where, like where the next two, three years are going in terms of home technologies and for the betterment of the consumer is an exciting place to be. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, we, we had, uh, when I was talking with Brown Newtone as a great example, they've got a new product out now called Overture that actually has sensors that goes around your house. So this is going to now create it where all of a sudden it'll automatically turn your vent fan on in the kitchen or the bathroom, depending on what you've got going on. So there's so many cool things out there that's happening. And uh, we've been talking about it a lot, but it's uh, interconnectivity is going to be the word of the, of the next two and years, we, I think. Yeah. And Carol, yeah, you got a question. And we want there. these, we want these devices to work for the homeowner because we cannot rely, especially as a professional, I can't rely that my homeowner is going to change their filter. They're not going to change their vent fan. They're not going to turn their vent fan on. They're not going to be cooking with their vent fan. So those are things that really protect us exponentially on health. So for example, if you are using a HEPA filter in your home, we know you can increase your cardiovascular function by 8%. That's more than a drug mm. on the market. So it's more than big pharma. So simple things like that can really change the way we operate in the home. So we want it to do it for you. So anything you guys provide to I'd us. I'd love to love ask that. you too, in your experience, you know, and then just becoming a, a new homeowner, I think one thing that I found very interesting, and I'd love to get your perspective, is you can also get rebates and kickbacks. Mm -hmm. Like when I put in more efficient um, heating systems, and then also was putting in a more efficient water tank. You can actually, and I think a lot of people aren't aware of this, and you probably know this all too well, but I mean, I love to hear it from experts like yourself. Take advantage. Like I got thousands of dollars back for being more efficient and saving myself more money long-term. Eric, tell her about a heat pump. Oh, tell her question. about the heat pump water heaters that we love so much. Yeah, I swapped out my 40-gallon gas water heater, just natural gas water heaters, as common a water heater as it is out there. And in my area here in Portland, Oregon, where I live, it was costing me about 350 bucks a year to do it. Now, I put in the new electric heat pump water heater, and that cost me about $110 a year to run because it runs, it uses only 550 watts of electricity huh. to heat water. So it is awesome. And the rebates on them are ridiculous. Right. You know, and it's cool. So it, it's it's like a heat pump. So it's like a heat pump in your house. It's grabbing the heat out of the air around it and putting it in the water. 
And so I went, I, I'm actually using two thirds less energy to heat water, but now I'm heating that and that's 80 gallons of water, not 40 that I'm, so I'm doing double the water for two thirds less the money. It's so worth exploring. I, I just, I can't tell you how much I, I th that's a perfect example. There's so much savings out there. It's also a sign of adulting because I have too many young people <laughs> working on my team. And I'm like, you guys, I got this new water pump and I'm going to tell you a water heater. It's so efficient. And they're like, what? Like, where are we going to talk to Cooper about that? We don't know anything about it. I'm like, okay, I'm clearly adulting. This new homeowner thing is in a whole other world. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw I saw that energy bill just go. Chunk, yes, same and hey, it feels good. Absolutely. But we have to say that, you know, you just brought up a good point. Eric and I are talking about like DIY, right? How, why is it so important for us to all be talking about home improvement and ways that you can save money and DIY yourself is because a lot of these millennials coming up, which are, which, you know, or the younger generations behind them, they have no experience in home improvement. They didn't have the classes. They didn't have any kind of trade training. You know, back when Eric and I went to school, they stuck us in, we had to go know, build things. We had shop class. I love the trades class. Right. But yes. there isn't anything these kids and, and look, I love technology and so do you. But the fact is you still mm -hmm. need these other skill sets. And the problem is education now has really forced us to look not have those skill sets any longer. And so all these generational people are coming up and they rely on people like yourself or Eric or me to teach them how to do DIY because you can't afford to do it and pay someone all the time to do these projects. It's too expensive. I wish I had the data in front of me to support the, the, this conversation because to your point, the trades have gone, the, the understanding of the trades, which are so critical, have just been decreasing and decreasing and decreasing over the years. And it's so important. And it's such awesome skills to have. I mean, like for me, yeah. if I was running a, pro, a school, y'all be learning every single trade possible just right? to get the surface level, right? Oh. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, a girl can come out of high school right now instead of going to college. And if she's interested in, you know, being an electrician in four years, she can be making six figures right. as an electrician and work anywhere in the country. And I applaud if you know you want to go in that direction. I'm like, my goodness, you just saved yourself nearly like half a mil. You like doing that. You know where you want to go. A hundred and fifty percent. Go do it. And it's amazing. I think that you can do it both too, right? I mean, I look at it from my perspective. I have an advanced medical degree, but I also think it's fascinating to know how to fix things and do things. Like it, it's it's sort of like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It should be that we all have these skill sets and are able to do it. We need more Renaissance people, See? right? <laughs> Amen to that. There, there you we go. go. <laughs> Amen. Katie, is there stuff that we didn't talk about today that we've didn't dive into. Oh my goodness. That was such a great, I, I feel like I could talk to you guys for hours and then come over and hang out in your garage. We talk to tech like nonstop. <laughs> oh my God. You guys are like twinning. Exactly. The two of you are twinning there. Seriously, <laughs> so funny. Now I would love for people to check out Xfinity's home Wi-Fi report from 2021 and just so much interesting data and not telling you anything you don't know, but there's just the way that we're working professionally and also the way that we're playing personally from streaming to entertainment to gaming, it's changing. And it's a very connected time and it's an exciting time. And um, I'd love for you to check out the data. All right. And then make sure and check out your single out there on all those platforms as well. Yeah. Right? And then you've got your YouTube as well. That's uh, where you do your little tech things over there. Totally. I, you can check me out. All my handles, my socials, if you will, okay. are at Katie Lindendahl. And the new song is Renaissance Lady. Fabulous. All right, Katie.
Fabulous. Thanks for coming on today. This has been great. Thank you for having me. You guys are awesome. Like, congratulations on all your success thus far. And just thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around the House. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.